Let's get into the word today. Uh, we are starting out the year right here in Marysville. Last week we had a great message from Pastor Dennis on starting off moving forward. Wasn't that great? Can you give it up for Pastor Dennis for that word? Such a good word to start off the year. Every time I've looked at the rearview mirror this week, I've thought about I'm not I'm not looking back anymore. I'm going forward. God's got a plan for me to move forward. I am driving safely with my rearview mirror, but I'm just saying just I'm just not going to look back in my life. You get it. Okay. Moving forward, taking one step closer to God. And now I'm excited to start the year diving into a sermon series called Every Battle. I don't know if you've heard or not, but there's a new album out called Every Battle. Okay. Sorry, not sorry, right? Uh, we are excited that the music's coming out. It's available everywhere. There will be also physical CDs coming in the next few weeks in case you were wondering about that. But um, I thought it'd be a perfect way to start the year with a sermon series on worship. And we're going to talk through, you know, the power of worship, some misconceptions about worship. I'll talk a little, some stories of, of my past. If you didn't know, I came from a worship pastor background. And uh, life, we know life is a battle and your weapon is worship. Life is a battle, and your weapon is worship. I heard a pastor say recently, we were not born to struggle, but we were born to fight. We have to fight to live righteously before God. We have to battle to keep our faith going, and the way that we fight is through worship. So the series is called Every Battle, and today I want to start by defining worship, explaining a little bit about worship means for us. You know, this morning I thought worship was great with the team and what they were doing. I, I almost wanted to be like, just keep going, just keep going. I, I'm not, I don't need to preach yet, just keep going. But we're going to have time at the end, don't worry. Worship, so to, the message, the sermon series is every battle. And today's title is called A Sign, A Decision, and a Song. A Sign, A Decision, and a Song. Our weapon is worship. And we're going to jump into a key story in the Bible that tells us the importance of worship in a literal battle. It was the heart behind the, the, tra- the title track, Every Battle Off the Album. We're going to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you have your Bible with you today, you can turn there. Otherwise, we'll have it on the screen for you. And, and just a reminder here in January, I encourage you, guys, get into the Word to start your year right. Take some time. If you haven't already, take some time to create habits that allow you to get into the Word daily. You need this to walk out your faith as a follower of Jesus. You want to see something new take place in your life? You want to see some new freedom, some new purpose? The Bible is where you start. The book, it is life to your soul. Get addicted to that book and fall in love with its author. Okay, let's read together. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Let's read the first four verses together. It says, After this... The Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Munites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Your boy started a tough one to start the year with a lot of names in this one, so bear with me as I get through these, these names. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon, Tamar, that is, En Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord. And proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah that they came to seek the Lord. 
All right, so let's get into the background of this story. Because chapter 20, it starts with saying, after this. After this, that's the first thing it says. Which is referring to Jehoshaphat in the previous chapter. He's created some religious reform. He sets the people of Judah up for success in appointing Levites as priests. And, and so they would be able to decide uh, disputing cases. Uh, and Jehoshaphat, was, was, he's not doing anything wrong. In fact, he's doing things right. But what happens? Right after that, Jehoshaphat is setting up his kingdom of righteousness, and we have three different groups of people attacking him. What's going on? Why would Jehoshaphat be getting attacked like this when he's doing the right thing? A lot of times when, when we face battle in our lives, when we face conflicts, we typically think, what am I doing wrong? How am I messing up that I would deserve this kind of punishment? But a battle that we face does not always mean that you're doing something wrong. In fact, when you face adversity in your life, you should ask yourself this question. Is what I'm facing today a battle because of what I'm doing right? Or is it a consequence of what I've done wrong? I'll say that again. Is what I'm facing today, is it a battle because of what I'm doing right in my life? Or is it a consequence of what I'm doing wrong? Life is a battle. You know what else is a battle? Driving. Driving sometimes can be a battle on the roads with people, you know? I love people. I love people, man. They're, they're fun. They're crazy people out there. I was driving on Monday morning. I was driving to Dublin, headed to our staff meeting. I was at the intersection of 42 and 161. So the light turns green. I start going through the inter intersection, going straight. And all of a sudden, I see this, this car on the right side start to, to turn out into the way. And I decide to use the horn. And I promise you, I don't use the horn a lot, okay? I'm not quick to the horn. But in this instance, I decided to use the horn. And you know there are different ways to use your horn, right? Right? There can be a little polite little beep beep. Or you can maybe lay on and, you know, to let them know. And in this moment, I promise you, I just did, I actually did one beep, but just beep. That's all it was. Like, hey, I'm here. Let's not get into an accident this morning. I, I have the right of way. So this person then decides with their white pickup truck, they don't slow down. They don't stop to give me the right of way. They floor it going into downtown Plain City, which if you didn't know, goes from 35 miles an hour to 25 miles per hour as the speed limit. And so I'm like, okay. And as they floor it, they lose two of their two-by-four pieces of wood that were in the, in the pickup truck in the back. It just falls out onto the road. And I'm far enough back, thankfully, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go around this. This guy's a little crazy today. I'm going to stay back. I did not get upset, okay? I, I can be, I, I, your pastor can be tempted to road rage as much as the next person, okay? I did not yell. I didn't get upset. I didn't tell him that he was number one. I didn't do any of those things. I stayed back. I said, okay. This is a battle today. This is a test I'm going to have to face. But sometimes there's a battle and we've done nothing wrong. And then if we're being honest, sometimes, I don't know about you, but maybe, maybe some of us, we might see somebody cut us off and get angry, but forgot that four miles back, we did the same thing to somebody else. Is this a battle because of what I'm doing right in a test, or is it a consequence? Is it reaping what I've sowed? Battles in life. Is there a battle that I'm facing, what I'm doing right, or a consequence of what I'm doing wrong? And when Jehoshaphat, he is told that these three nations are coming against him to attack the people of Judah, what does he do? It says he was afraid and he set his face to seek the Lord. He didn't panic. He didn't lose his head. They sought the Lord. 
In fact, Jehoshaphat called everyone together. He had a rally together. Let's see what happens next. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5. Verse 5 says, And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hands are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. A quick sidebar for a moment. I'd, I'd like to say that there's a lot of language in here to support what Shanna would say, calling the usage of the word house for church. Just, just to let you know, if you didn't notice that, a little bit of usage there from talking about the, last week's message. But anyways, Jehoshaphat, he gathers people together. They worship together, praising God and thanking him. They, they, he calls him the ruler of all kingdoms with power and might. And I love how he ends. He says, if disaster comes, and the sword, and judgment, and pestilence, and famine, we will stand before you and cry out, and you will hear and save. That's incredible faith. That's a significant amount of trust. Our first point this morning on worship, worship, worship is a sign of trust. Worship is a way of saying, I know things aren't going the way I want them to, but I trust you. When I worry or when I fear, I will turn my face to seek you and worship you and declare that I'll put my trust in you. I'll put my faith in you. Authentic faith leads to authentic praise. Authentic faith, it leads to authentic praise. When we truly put our faith and our hope in Jesus, we can't help but praise out of the overflow of our trust. And singing songs of praise, we, we are giving him an offering. Remember in the Old Testament, the people would bring forth sacrifices as offerings to God. They would give the very best, right? They would give the best of their livestock, the best of their grains. What, whatever they were producing, they would give God their first and their best. And the part, part of the point of an offering is that it's typically supposed to cost you something. It's supposed to cost you something in order to worship because in worship, in worship, we become the sacrifice. In worship will typically cost you something. I was reading a book by Jeremy Riddle. He talks about worship. He's a, he's a famous worship pastor, songwriter. He says, worship without cost is worship without impact. What is worship going to cost you? You hear me today? I know it's raining out there and it's kind of gloomy, but you gotta, you got to talk back to me a little bit, okay? Well, this is good. Worship without cost is worship without impact. If we're not willing to sacrifice something, give something away, what can we expect? It's not a meaningful expression of worship. If you only worship when it's convenient for you and it lends itself to the mood of you of, in that moment, how meaningful is that expression? 
there have been and will continue to be times in your life where situations will arise and you will have a unique opportunity to give God an offering of praise that you may never ever able be, be able to do again. Can you worship God when it costs you? Can you worship God when you feel down or you feel depressed? Can you worship him when you're sick or you're tired? Can you worship him when you've lost somebody? I love heaven, and I don't know about if you know this, but when we get to heaven, we're going to worship God, right? That's, that's kind of the agenda for heaven. But in heaven, there's going to be no sorrow, no tears, no death. Here, we have a unique opportunity that in the moments of difficulty to still choose to worship God. Back in August, uh, a lot of us went down with COVID. I know some people are dealing with it right now. Our thoughts and prayers with all that are struggling with it right now. And back in August, I had it. Some of the other staff, Pastor Chris had it, had it really severely. And um, I was kind of quarantined to my upstairs, trying to stay away from Shanna just in, just in case. Uh, she ended up getting it eventually anyways, but we were trying to do our due diligence. And um, I was stuck up there, and I'm usually pretty optimistic about these things. I'm like, okay, a few days, and it'll be, I'll be good. I'll, I'll get back up on my feet. I'll be fine. And so it's just how I feel about with sickness. I'm like, two or three days, and then I'm going to be fine. And I remember Friday coming, and I'm like, Thursday night, I'm like, I'm going to be better tomorrow. It's going to be better tomorrow, and we're going to keep going. Friday came, I was, not, I was not much better. And at that point, I got a little bit irritable. I got a little bit upset. Shanna could attest to this. And I was just like, why am I not better yet? Why am I, why am I not 100% healthy? And I could, at that moment, choose to stay upset and, and sulk and cry like a baby and I did some of that, if I'm being honest. But I also had to decide in that moment to say, I still trust God. I'm still going to take some time and worship him because I know he's going to get me onto the other side of this. It's not going the way I want it to right now. But that doesn't mean I can't worship God, right? Or trust God. I have a choice to trust God in that moment. Worship is a sign of trust. Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah were in a tough situation. They were facing fear, but yet they sought God and they trusted him. Let's move a few uh, verses forward. So, so all the people of Judah, they, they come before God. They're declaring praise to him. And then the spirit of the Lord moves on a specific man named Jehaziel. And he says this in front of God, in front of all the people. Let's read from verse 15 on. He says, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. I love that. The battle is not yours, but God's. Do not be afraid. Sorry. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position. And see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korites, they stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Imagine standing in that assembly and the word is given 
And it kind of starts out with the usual pep talk language, right? Don't be afraid or dismayed. Yes, we've heard that since Joshua. We know that the battle's not ours. It belongs to God. Yes, we know God's going to help us fight in the battle. He's going to strengthen us, right? He's going to fight. Only through him can we do this, right? And then we're going to go up one way, and we're going to find them at the end of the valley, right? That, that all makes sense. And then, then we won't need to fight the battle. Sure, we, we won't need to fight the battle. We've never done that before. What, what do you mean we don't have to fight the battle? You mean, you mean to say we're not going to do any fighting? We just have to stand firm and take our position, and then we're going we're gonna to just see what happens? So when you said the battle was not ours but God's, you meant literally we will not be fighting. What is the opposite of fighting? Surrendering. The second point this morning is worship is a decision to surrender. A decision to to surrender. Worship is a decision that when you make, when you realize there's nothing I can do about this situation, I've done everything that I can do, and now I have to surrender the results. I have to surrender the outcome to God. In verse 18, it says, everyone fell down before the Lord, worshiping him. They worship God before anything has even happened, right? At this point, the enemies are still alive and well. They're still coming to attack this people, but they chose to worship God, and they made a decision to surrender. Another quote from Jeremy Riddle, he says, True spiritual power does not flow through powerful people, but through surrendered ones. Spiritual power does not flow through powerful people, but through surrendered people. Worship is Surrender. It's laying down our rights and our worries and our preferences. But you know what? It's not. Surrender, listen, surrender in this case is not passive. Okay, don't, don't get that twisted. They were still instructed. They still had to go down against them. They had to go, go towards their enemy and exercise their faith and offer praise and prayer. And they were told to stand firm, take their position, and see what God was going to do. That is not passivity. Being passive would be to neglect the battle, to ignore it. In our lives, passivity means ignoring signs of problems in our life. Passivity means neglecting your time of reading the word or saying, I don't, I don't feel like worshiping today. I don't have time to pray today. No, they were not passive, but they made a decision to surrender because while they may not have been able to fight physically today, that day God was showing them they had to fight spiritually. In the moment, God chose to show them how much greater the power of a spiritual fight is over the power of the physical fight. And I need you to understand the importance of this because you and I, we don't have situations like Judah, all right? If you're weakly struggling with people coming against you with swords and shields, that's a very real problem. Please call 911. But in this situation, we do have powers of darkness that are coming against us. And so we have to realize the power that is behind your decision to surrender your life and worship to God daily, weekly, hourly, whatever it is, because the decision to surrender that we see God go before us in the battle. Just because Judah didn't need to fight in the battle did not mean there was nothing for them to do. They had to take their position. They had to stand there and see the salvation of the Lord in the face of the attack. It's a decision to surrender. What do you need to lay down this morning? 
What is holding you back? What have you been trying to fight in vain and you feel like you can't make any progress on? I think today might be your day to stop striving and to start surrendering. Worship team, you can come up and join us. Let me show you how all this ends here in verse 20. Verse 20, it says, And they rose early in the morning, and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went out before the army. And they said, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the people, the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed. When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set an ambush. The Lord went before them and caused their enemies to be defeated. As we close here this morning, our third and final point very quickly, worship is a song of victory. It is the song of victory only in the supernatural realm does surrender actually lead to victory? The song of praise to God led to the deliverance from the enemy. Pure praise has always been a weapon of mass destruction to the kingdom of darkness. Your song of praise to God is a declaration of victory. God's word says that he inhabits the praises of of his people. He will meet his people in moments of worship as we sing to him. And and listen, God, God has always been after your heart. It doesn't matter if you have a golden voice or you were told no by Simon Cowell. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. God does not judge you by the quality of your voice, but the sincerity of your heart. He's always after your heart. Authenticity of your worship is what leads to your song of victory. Why do we sing? Because we trust God. We surrender to him. And it leads us to victory. And I know there's power in our song to God. This is not just an Old Testament thing. We see in the New Testament, uh, prisoners singing and shackles were coming off them. And we know this is not just a Bible thing because I've experienced the presence of God in worship and I believe that you have too. And if not, I believe that today is your day. But I wanted to go short today because I want an opportunity for us to worship God together. What battle have you been fighting on your own? Maybe today you just need to take time in worship to demonstrate your trust in God. Maybe you say, Things are not going the way I want them, but I still trust you, God. Maybe there's something you need to lay down. There's something you need to surrender to God this morning. If you've ever seen someone lifting their hands in worship, it's not a religious thing. 
doesn't mean you're more spiritual. It's just a sign of surrender to God. And I invite you this morning to lift your voice, to lift your hands. You can come to the front and worship. You can do whatever you want, but let's worship together. Would you stand with me this morning as we close? We don't do this out of obligation to God. You might say, Matt, why do you ask us to go forward or lift our hands or lift our voices? Because I think an outward expression stems from an inward decision. An outward expression stems from an inward decision that we are going to worship God. So I invite you right now, let's press in as we close this service, right? Let's sing our song of victory before the Lord. Let's express our trust and our surrender to God this morning. Let's worship.